Praise God. Well, you can turn to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. Don't believe that I will be very long this morning. I'm going to pray God would help us both to speak and to hear. Amen. You can turn to the 38th chapter of Genesis. 38th chapter of Genesis. You know, we live in an hour when faithless men recklessly violate the law of God with little or no apprehension. And the views of sin have become so skewed. Sin is erroneously considered universal, unavoidable, even under grace. Very few people believe that you can live sin-free. Everyone sins. No one can stop, they say. So they logically get unscripturally reason. Why should we worry? Amen. Holiness is unattainable. Who can expect it? And, you know, this is the mentality of most of the people in our society, even those who proclaim to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Hence, I believe it can be said that antinomianism has undermined and sabotaged the fear of God, which is now regarded as vulgar and spiritually counterproductive. Amen. He's not to be feared, they say. He is to be revered. Amen. And I believe we are to reverence God. But reverence and fear, don't you make any mistake about it, are two different things. And we should render those things to God. Amen. But the fear of the Lord is a command. Amen. The fear of the Lord is a command. And if anybody tells you you're not to fear God, you can just know that that is satanic and demonic because it is against the Word of God. In fact, the Scriptures define the fear of God as the very gateway, the very key to understanding. Amen? We wonder why people don't understand the Gospel. Why so few people few people that you enter into discussion with in this hour, amen, discussing the very nature of God and the gospel, why so few understand. The reason is there is no fear of God before this generation's eyes, even in the pulpit. The fear of the Lord has been sabotaged. The concept of divine retribution, even among professing Christians, is considered Victorian, inaccurate, and even cruel. As Isaiah the prophet lamented in his day, judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Equity cannot enter. Rest assured, friend, when judgment and justice and truth are rejected and perverted, then the moral atmosphere is going to remain bleak. There has to be a restoration of truth. Amen. Justice must be executed in the land. Amen. If we're ever going to move forward in regards to our culture. Our culture, though, is under judgment. Amen. In our unbelieving culture, not many believe in a scriptural heaven. Amen. But fewer still acknowledge there is a God-ordained hell. 
Our generation reeling under one cleverly crafted religious lie after another is filled with all manner of blasphemy and vice. All this while we collectively offer a confident grin because after all, as the modern pulpit has told us, God is love and there's absolutely nothing at all to fear. Amen. But rest assured. Amen. This, listen to me. We are under a dark cloud of divine delusion because we have rejected the light wholesale. Amen. And listen to me. This is not an hour to dabble in sin. This is not an hour to play religious games. It is an hour to take hold of God. For the days are wicked and evil, and we should redeem the time. This should come as no surprise. We're certainly not the first nation to be reprobated and turned over to our idolatry and our sin. As the prophet Hosea said of backslidden Israel in his day, there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. No doubt our day is very much like the days when the prophet Jeremiah and the prophet Ezekiel spoke for God. Jeremiah said in 23 and 14, Thundering, I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers that none doth return from his wickedness. The prophet Ezekiel, speaking for God, declared, Because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and strengthened the hands of the wicked, that he should not return from his wicked way by promising him life. Amen. The fear of God has been undermined in our generation. Amen. It is that way in this lukewarm Laodicean antinomian age. But may we here in this house, may we cultivate the fear of God. May we reject every lie and not fall after the same manner of unbelief clinging to the word of God which warns us in Hebrews chapter Ten, for we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Amen. The Holy Ghost, he desires to help us here this morning. Amen. Reading this morning in the book of Genesis, chapter 38 and verse 7. Genesis 38 and verse 7. A very obscure verse taken from a short genealogy of Judah. It means something that you might overlook, something that you might read over a thousand times, and then suddenly the Spirit of God can quicken, amen, a truth to you. And Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord slew him. And Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord slew him. Amen. A very simple thought here this morning, which I pray will inspire a healthy fear of the Lord. God, the righteous killer. God, the righteous killer. Father, we thank you here this morning. For your truth, your word, Father God. I ask you, Lord God, for the fear 
of the Lord. Oh, God, give us ears to hear this morning, Father, that we would fear you, Lord. We're not above other men who have been overcome and deluded and deceived. We know by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Let us love your word, Lord. Let us eat what's set before us, Lord God. Give us ears to hear. Give us a right heart and a right spirit that we might tremble and quake before you. You are holy. We honor you here today as holy. You are most holy, Lord God. Oh, and you were worthy to be feared. And Father God, I ask you by your word, you would illuminate every conscience. Deal with the sinner. Deal with the hypocrite. And deal with the saint of God. I pray, Lord God, that each and every one of us, Father God, that you would edify, strengthen, speak to us specifically where we're at. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Now, if we're to benefit from the divine message found in our text here this morning, we must rightly discern and acknowledge five biblical absolutes here. Amen. And I believe if we'll acknowledge these things, then we can hear what the Holy Ghost is seeking to communicate to us in this verse. First of all, we must concede our text is the Word of God. Our text here is the Word of God. This record of Ur is not preserved for us in the writings of men or some ancient account of Jewish history, but it is the very book of God. These are inspired words. This is the mind of God communicated to you and I, and we dare not underestimate their power and their authority. Amen. The scriptures we know are without mistake, blemish, or fault. They are God-breathed. They are infallible. They are inerrant, and they are all Always relevant. Amen. There is nothing contained therein that was not specifically planned by God, inspired by the Holy Ghost with the utmost foresight, wisdom, and purpose. And may we wisely remember the Scripture's testimony of itself. Amen. In 2 Timothy 3 and 16, Amen, the Bible says of itself, all Scripture, that includes Genesis 38 and 7, is given by by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. Amen. I'm going to tell you something here this morning. We're going to be instructed in righteousness. Amen. And if we have ears to hear, we're going to learn the fear of the Lord. Amen. Hence, we must acknowledge verse 7 in Genesis chapter 38. It is no accident. It is no oversight. It is neither a mistake. It is the Word of God, and it was included for a reason. Amen. You know, the potential for divine illumination through and by the Word of God is infinite. God is eternal, therefore the character and the nature of His Word is eternal. There is no end
in to how God can speak to us and instruct us and meet us on the ground of our need as we study and meditate on the Word of God. Amen. There is life, quickening, resurrection life in every word of God's Bible. Amen. And if we will study it and meditate upon it, God will meet us where we have need. Amen. Moreover, consider for a moment here this morning, nothing else about Ur, save this brief commentary on his life, is recorded in Scripture for our benefit. So we, so here we have the son of Judah, who is in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ, and who is the very grandson of the great patriarch Jacob. Little else is known about him. But the few facts mentioned in this verse here. Yet God saw fit to include this account in the scriptures because he obviously wanted us to know something. Amen. What was it that he wanted us to know? Amen. He wanted us to know that Ur was wicked and that he personally killed him. That's what he wanted us to know and that's why it was included in the scriptures. Amen. He had a wonderful pedigree, did Ur. Amen. Such potential. But look at his life. It was lived and wasted and ended in spiritual disaster. Could we view this verse as anything other than an encouragement to fear God and a stern warning against rebellion? You know, think of his pedigree. Think of who he was around. Amen. His very grandfather, a great patriarch of the faith. Amen. You know, perhaps someone is here this morning who professes Christ, but who is dabbling in secret sin. And perhaps you're trusting in the fact of your pedigree. Or you've been born in a Christian home. Amen. It could be a young person. Amen. Listen to me. God didn't give me this message to preach to people. Amen. That are all living holy. Amen. Someone here this morning is in compromise. And God wants you to be afraid. Perhaps someone here, oh, says my daddy is a preacher. Amen. I've been homeschooled. I go to CFF. I street preach. I live modestly. Whatever it may be, listen to me. I can tell you this. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God. Perhaps you know you're not right with God and you keep digging your heels in, waiting, waiting, refusing to surrender all to the Lord Jesus Christ now. You are playing with eternal fire. You are refusing the God of the universe. And the repercussions could be eternally costly. The first thing we must recognize, this is not a fable. This is the word of God. God exterminated a man and put him in hell. God exterminated personally an individual and put him in hell. Amen. That means God could personally exterminate you and put you in hell if you cross a line. Secondly, we must recognize God is immutable. Amen. God does not change. Amen. Lest we forget the God that slew Ur is the one and the only and the true God. 
There is no other God. I said there is no other God. This is the God of the Bible. And this God has never, never changed. You know, religious hypocrites and sin lovers, they typically like to make a distinction between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. Amen. Such, you know, fables and myths. They're for those who are bound by sin and look for something to appease their conscience. But I'm here to tell you this morning, by the Holy Ghost and by the Word of God, Amen, God said, I am the Lord and I change not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He is to be feared. Immutability or the unchanging nature of God is without question a divine attribute. The divine character of God, it cannot change in essence because moral perfection has no need to change. If God changes in essence, it testifies of imperfection. Amen. It testifies that He is finite rather than infinite and eternal. Do you understand? It's impossible for God to change and remain God. God is utterly perfect in every moral sense, above even the slightest mistake, and has eternally been so. Change would negate such an absolute, so we can rest assured, just as God is omnipotent, and we don't need to question that. We dare not uh, bring, cast a shadow of doubt upon the attributes of God, just as He is omnipotent, just as He is loving, just as He is holy. He is immutable and He doth not change. The Scriptures teach in Psalms 102 and 27, But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. Hebrews 1, 10-12, And thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture they shall fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. James 1 and 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness or changing, amen, no variation, neither shadow of turning. God is immutable. So what God did... In the first book of the Bible, amen, he will do in the last book of the Bible. What God did yesterday, he will do today, and he will do tomorrow if it's appropriate, amen. We shouldn't question, well, that was the God of the Old Testament. That was different circumstances and different uh, a different situation. No, no, we need to understand. God slew wicked her, and he'll do it again if need be. God is a righteous killer. Moreover, as God, as the scriptures testify, amen, God is no respecter of persons. First Peter 1 and 17. If you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here in fear. He's no respecter of persons. If he judged wicked her, he can judge you. 
Amen. The very grandson of the patriarch, Jacob. Amen. He may not kill you and put you in hell. He certainly won't do that unless you deserve it. Amen. But I can tell you this one. He will do what needs to be done. Don't dabble with the holy judge of all the universe. The point is clear and obvious. The same God that slew wicked her is the one true God, the God of the Bible. Well, I don't think that I love a God like that. Well, that's right. You're a rebel. Amen. That's why you deserve hellfire. Amen. That you don't love a just and a holy God. And you don't really believe that you deserve hell. He is righteous. He is true. He is just. And we need to believe the word of God. He has killed before. And he may indeed, if the situation demands it, kill again. Did you hear me? He's killed before. Amen. And if the situation demands it, he may indeed kill again. I've seen men. Amen. Walk with Jesus for a period of time. I've seen some dabble in the things of God. I've seen people, yes, that I believe ultimately God killed them when they crossed the line. Amen. It hasn't been hundreds and hundreds of people, but I could name some names here this morning that I'm absolutely positive, at least within my opinion, amen, that they dabbled in the things of God. Amen. They, they, they forfeited the fear of God and they played with the things of God and God put them into eternal rest or rather eternal hellfire instantly and did away with them, removing their soiled testimony from the earth. Listen to me. God is the judge of all the universe. Yes, He's loving. Yes, He's merciful. Amen. He sent Jesus Christ to redeem us. But if we spurn the mercy of God, if we stand afar off, if we shun the light, then we have no excuse. We must humbly submit ourselves to God the Father. And humbly receive His mercy, which is to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, may we comprehend, Ur was wicked. Ur was wicked. Amen. It says, in Ur, Judah's firstborn was wicked. This is the testimony of Scripture, which cannot lie. The testimony of Ur's life is summed up for us in this one phrase. He was wicked. He was wicked. Now, what does this mean? How are we to define this brief testimony plucked from Scripture? Well, first, we can surmise that Ur was not a victim. Neither was he prey to circumstance or situation. No, no. We can know without a shadow of doubt that he was worthy of death because it was the righteous God who slew him. Amen. That's all I need to know. God killed him. Amen. He deserved to be killed. Amen. God put him in hellfire. He deserved to burn. He's there. Right now is this message as is preached as an eternal testimony to those who would dabble in sin. If God killed him, then he deserved to be killed. Likewise, we know that God is long-suffering. So we dare not assume it was for merely an occasional transgression that air fell under judgment. Hence, amen, air was wicked, not merely because he sinned, 
but because he apparently refused to turn from his sin. Amen. You know, considering his pedigree, he had no doubt been exposed to much positive spiritual influence. We can only speculate, amen, but apparently we've got to, uh, you know, conclude that he refused every attempt to godly reformation. Who would doubt that his grandfather didn't speak to him? Who can doubt that Judah tried, didn't try to sit the young man down and instruct him in righteousness? Amen. Surely there were other righteous people in the sphere of his influence that tried to speak to him. Yet apparently he resisted it all, cast off restraint, amen, and tempted God with his ingratitude. You know, there's some sinners here in this church here this morning under the sound of my voice. There's some of you young people who refuse to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God has sought to influence you by the Word of God. God has protected you and placing you into a Christian home. And yet you crave and run after sin like water. The ingratitude, the unthankfulness, the brazen and utter disregard for the authority of God. You need to fear your parents, as you heard it this morning. And you need to honor father and mother. But I come to tell you, there's a higher authority that you ought to be quaking and trembling and shaking and losing sleep over until you've been born of God. You've got a God, a holy God, you must stand before who listens to every word of rebellion, who examines every thought of deceit, amen, who sees the lust of heart, who sees the wickedness and the selfishness in your motives and intents of heart, you're going to give an account to that God. Why don't you fear God and give Him glory, lest you meet the fate of dear heir? here this morning. I don't want to see anyone die and go to hell. Neither does God. That's why He's trying to warn you. That's why He's trying to warn you. Yes, air was wicked. Amen. We can assume, amen, He was either insincere, a religious game player, or if nothing else, He was certainly a rebel. So in His continued obstinance. I believe that's why the Bible calls him wicked. Do you understand? In his continued obstinance, amen, God saw fit to kill him and put him immediately into hellfire. You know, if you're striving against sin, amen, we believe in living free from sin. But if you fall, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is the propitiation, the Bible says, not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. There's a great comfort in that. Amen. That is a scriptural truth that we need not be ashamed of. Amen. You know, really, this message is not to people like that. But I can remember even as a young Christian, amen, when I fell into sin, I would walk around thinking lightning might strike out of a clear sky and put me into eternity. You know, listen to me. That's healthy! 
People try to, that's not really the God of the Bible. Yeah, it is. There's more to it than that. I understand he will forgive. He delights. Amen. In showing mercy. Mercy rejoiceth against judgment. He is long-suffering. Amen. He who is merciful, tender of heart. Those things are true. But you know, I made it through. Do you understand? And part of the reason I made it through is because I believed. Amen. I deserve to die and go to hell. And any time I did fall, amen, I put my faith in the blood. Amen. I rose up. Amen. Got up and walked in holiness and purity. Amen. And that's that's what you had better do. Don't you wait around. Don't wallow in sin and give praise to the devil. Be quick to repent and shut the door. Amen. For you never know. Amen. You never know. Listen to me. Get right with God. Jesus could come back any moment. You're not promised one more second. Amen. It's presumptuous to assume I'll repent. Amen. Tomorrow. I'll get right later this afternoon. No, you better get right right now and make things right. Lest we fall into this same terrible tragedy of error. Amen. So many forget that God owes us absolutely nothing whatsoever. Everything that we're receiving from God is God's mercy. His mercy extended to us. Amen. You know, your heart would quit beating if it weren't for God. You understand that? (laughs) Mommy and daddy ain't looking now. God's watching you. He's not going to forget to keep your heart beating. But if he just decided to let it go. You would instantly die. If you really believe that, the thought of rejecting him is not an option. The thought of continuing to tell God, no thank you, beat it. No, no, leave me alone. You don't really want God to leave you alone. You don't really want, see, God finally left Er alone. He retired, Mr. Wicked Er, who wouldn't receive correction, who wouldn't heed the conviction of the Holy Ghost, who was perhaps drawn over and over and over and over and over again by the Holy Ghost, who heard the Word of God expounded on time and time and time again. Who can know how many times his conscience was set aflame by the testimonies around him, but with every single drawing of God, he rejected him! And in essence said, leave me alone. So God said, okay. It's over for you. And it's been over for air ever since that moment. That moment could be a breath away. That moment potentially could be right now. It could be later this afternoon. It could be later this week. It could be next month, next year, ten years. There's no guarantee. Amen. God doesn't owe you anything. In fact, every single person under the sound of my voice has received far more than many people who have lived throughout the history of humanity and received far more than any of us deserve.
We have the gospel. We have the truth. And we must act. Fourthly, we must know God is a righteous judge. And ere Judah's firstborn was wicked in the sight of the Lord. Amen. That's not a man's judgment. That wasn't even Jacob's judgment. Or Judah's judgment of his own son. That was God's judgment. It was not an overstatement, nor was it an exaggeration. If God said her was wicked, then her was wicked. Amen. He was wicked. There could be no question. It was God who defined her as wicked and God who ultimately slew him. Hence, his judgment is sure and his sentence is just. Amen. We know, amen, earlier in the book of Genesis, amen, we have the phrase often quoted, which is the truth, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. Amen. Shall not the judge of the earth do right. Amen. We know that he always does right. No matter what anyone else thinks about it, God is always right. And everyone else contrary to him is wrong. So the righteousness of God's judgment on earth is absolutely and irrefutably above reproach. Amen. Such an act was just. Such, such an act was holy. And such an act was even loving simply because the God of the Bible executed it. And God is love. This is an absolute. It's not to be questioned. Amen. It's not to be mulled over. Amen. God did it, God's right. That's the end of the conversation. Amen. So we have these four absolutes. Amen. This verse that we read, amen, is found in the Word of God. We see, amen, that God is immutable. The same God that slew Ur, amen, is the God that we believe, the God that we worship, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We see, amen, that God is a righteous judge. Amen. And we must acknowledge that. And, and we can also understand, amen, that Ur was wicked because the Bible says he was wicked. And that leads us finally, amen, to our last conclusion. God is a righteous killer who should be feared and feared for that very reason. And the Lord slew him. What could be more clear than that? You know, if you think that such an assertion is cruel, if this type of preaching is unsettling to you, if you believe that representing God in this fashion is below the revealed nature of God, you prove that you reject the ministry of Jesus Christ. Because I'm not the first one to preach this. He was. Luke 12, 4 and 5. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after, they have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed, hath power to cast into hell. Yea. I say unto you, fear him. 
You see, Jesus originally preached this. And I'm merely echoing, amen, what Jesus himself preached, amen. God is a righteous killer, and he is worthy to be feared, amen. This is found all over the scriptures, Deuteronomy 32 and 39. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God with me. I kill and make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. First Samuel 2 and 6, the Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. Amen. God has killed many, many wicked men. So numerous it would be, you know, impossible to list or it would take, uh, you know, all day for me to list all the wicked men that he's killed. But uh, just to give a few examples, out of the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 25 and 38, and it came to pass about ten days after that the Lord smote Nabal that he died. 2 Samuel Six and seven, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. Second Samuel twelve fifteen and eighteen, because of David's sin with Bathsheba, and Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare to David, and it was sick. And then in verse eighteen, and it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. First Samuel six and nineteen, and he smote the men, uh, the men of Beth Shemesh, because they had looked into the ark of God, even he smote of the people fifty thousand and threescore and ten men, and the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. First Samuel fifteen and three now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have, spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Amen. Don't forget in the New Testament, you have Ananias and Sapphira, whom God killed in the very sanctuary. Amen. Killed them, amen, because they lied to the Holy Ghost. Moreover, God has directly killed sinful men in many various ways. Amen. Too many ways again to list. But he's killed by flood, by fire, by opening up the ground and swallowing men directly into hell, by plagues, amen, by disease, by lions, by beasts, etc and so forth. If you study the scripture, amen, it's impossible to read without seeing this truth. The Bible warns us of the dangers of sin, both temporal and eternal, but especially of being obstinate and unrepentant. Isaiah 65, 12 and 13, Therefore will I number you to the sword, and ye shall all bow down to the slaughter, because when I called, ye did not answer. When I spake, you did not hear, but did evil before mine eyes, and did choose that wherein I delighted not. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but ye shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but ye shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but ye shall be ashamed. Nahum chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. God is jealous. And the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. And he reserveth wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. And the clouds are the dust of his feet. Warning 
after warning, warning after warning to you and I who know better, who have light. Amen. God is not someone to dabble with. Amen. He desires truth in the inward parts. Let's stand here this morning. The Holy Ghost wants us to know, to be reminded that God is a righteous killer and He is worthy to be feared. May we come in these altars, amen, and pray the prayer that we find in Isaiah. Sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself and let Him be your fear and let Him be your dread. Why don't you find a place to pray? If you're not right with God, you better listen to me you may not like me you may just view me as a man and that's all I am but it's the Holy Ghost who's speaking to you you better listen to me mister you better listen to me ma'am You better listen to me, young lady, young man. For I am speaking to you as the oracles of God. You're not going to deal with me on the day of judgment. You're going to deal with God Almighty. And God has never wronged you. God has never sinned before you. God has always done you good. He's given you invitation after invitation after invitation to get right. Will you continue to boldly deny Him? Will you continue to reject Him? Religious hypocrite, if you're here today hiding behind a facade, But living in secret sin, there's something between you and God. There's something between you and someone else. There's some bitterness. There's some offense. There's some sin that you refuse to relinquish. You're not fooling God, hypocrite. And like wicked Ur, who perhaps could have played the religious game, we don't know. If you don't repent, God could take you and put you into hell. I warn you, fear God here today. This is one of those divine moments where the Spirit of God is reaching out to those who do not deserve to be reached out to. God is seeking to speak to and soften the heart of someone here who has a heart. A very hard heart. Don't take for granted this moment. Yes, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. But I'm here to tell you this morning, this is the moment of salvation. Don't squander it. Don't squander it. You may not have another opportunity.
in order, parents, for you to pray for your children. Intercede. God would be long-suffering, merciful. You parents, if you're honest, you have discernment, you know who is and probably who isn't right in your house. Amen. Now would be a time to pray, oh God, be merciful, be long-suffering, brood over my children, Lord God, convict them, Lord God, cause the fear of God to be in my home, in my marriage, draw my children, Lord, convict of sin, reprove sin, righteousness, and judgment, Holy Ghost. Deal with the heart. Deal with the conscience. Deal with the will. Be merciful, Lord God. Be merciful to them. In the name of the Lord Jesus. doesn't beg anyone. God commands. God commands you to repent. He commands you to forsake 
your sin and to choose Him. He's not going to beg you. The choice is yours. Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Salvation is not something you just choose to do one day. You must have an invitation. You've got an invitation today, sinner. You've got an invitation. no guarantee you'll ever get another one. He will simply choose to give your will to God. Give up your sin. Give up your life of rebellion. Trust in the finished work of Christ. And you can be cleansed. You can be forgiven. You can be a new creature Christ. But if you reject it, there is nothing but darkness. Nothing at all but death and darkness. It's a choice only you can make. But it's a choice you must make. It's a choice you will make. Nobody can make it for you. No choice is a choice. You either choose Christ or by default you reject Him. You either proactively submit to Christ or you passively deny Him. You cannot wait. You cannot put it off. You have been put into a position by the Holy Ghost to make a decision. It's your decision. Choose life or choose death. The choice is yours.
Father, I pray, Lord God, for those who you're speaking to. I know you're speaking to all of us, Lord. Father, I know there are people here that are not right with you. Father, I pray, Lord, for those souls in sin who are wrestling, Lord God, with the conviction of your Spirit, Father. I pray, Lord, it would not be easy, Lord, to evade this word, but you would put your finger on the spot. Even as we dismiss here today, Father, I ask that you would brood over these miserable souls, Lord God. And, oh, God, that you would haunt them with Holy Ghost conviction. That they would know, Lord, that you have come for them. That now is the time for them to make a decision, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, you would speak to these individuals, Father, as only you can. You are no respecter of persons, Father. As you spoke, Lord, to me, as you spoke to others here, I knew you were dealing with me. I knew that you were drawing me, Lord God. I ask you, Father God, draw by your Spirit. Deal with the heart, break the will, grant repentance, Father. Let there be, Lord, a window frame of mercy extended. I pray in the name of Jesus for them, Lord. I trust you. It's not your will that any perish. Father, I know that you desire to have mercy. I pray, Lord, be merciful. Be long-suffering to thee. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. You know, yesterday when I was preparing to preach, I was just going to get together a message, several I have on revival, continuing that thought. But as it is, Many times, you know, I have uh, hundreds, over a thousand. I don't know how many exactly, but definitely over a thousand messages. And out of those 1,200, 1,500, how many it is, there's probably a third where, you know, God just speaks to me out of the scriptures and there's a thought. And I'll just write down the thought and the scriptures or the that God spoke to me and I may jot down a few thoughts and I'll just store it away and put a title to it. And I do this all the time. This is the way God deals with me. I would assume that's the way God deals with pastors everywhere. And it may be years later and that thought will come to my mind and I can't put it away. It'll be on a Saturday or a Wednesday and I know God wants me to preach that message. I'll turn there. May only may, may I have anything but just the original thought and then I have to pray over it and develop it. And then God has me preach it. So yesterday as I was preparing God spoke this thought to me. And this actually was a few months ago if I 
memory serves me correct, we were reading through Genesis. Maybe Charlie was preaching through Genesis. I don't know. Maybe it was six months ago. wasn't that long ago. And Charlie and I discussed this verse and just this thought here, how God would put that in there in the genealogy. And, uh, you know, I wrote that down and stored it away. But I told my wife, I said, there's got to be some sinners that are going to show up tomorrow. I just know there's going to be somebody. I can sense this burden. Not to say that I'm naive to believe there's not people here that need the Lord Jesus Christ. But I thought somebody would probably come through the door or visit or what have you. But you know, it wasn't to be. There's somebody here. There's several of you here. This is thus saith God to you. Amen. It's not me. I don't just say, I'm going to decide I'm going to scare somebody today. That's, that's not what this is. This is spirit-led. It is God speaking to you. You had better listen to what he says. Amen. You better listen to what he says. Let's stand for this morning. Praise Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the fear of the Lord. May we fear you, O God. You are a righteous killer. I agree with your judgments. I rejoice, Lord God, in who you are. I know that you are a righteous judge, Lord God. Father, we lift our hands in submission, subjection and to your word we love you we love you Lord God we love who you are we admire we worship who you are you were right you were right all the time oh God we do here today as your people sanctify and consecrate you as our fear and our dread, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would abundantly pour out your Spirit upon us to fear you. We pray for the fear of God in our marriages. We pray for the fear of God in our homes. We pray for the fear of God amongst our children, Father. Have your way, Lord, in our midst. Save the lost. Turn the hypocrite, Father. Cause each of us to walk lightly before your holiness. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Hug someone as you go. We will see you tonight at the prayer meeting, 6 o'clock.